Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on what we've got going on, go to parkhillschurch.com or Park Hills Church app. keep getting told I have a good uh, voice and face for radio, so I don't yeah. know what that means, but that's... Do you want me to tell you what that means? No, I'm good. That means you're a very good-looking man. <laughs> that's what that means. <laughs> I know that's not true. Uh, as far as what people really mean, and I hope they're just joking, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So, a couple things uh, dealing with the passage that we find in chapter 10, verses 13 through 31. We've got two really beautiful stories, right? First, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for theirs. You know, is who the kingdom is heaven is for. And then you've got the rich young ruler. I always appreciated the KJV version of suffer the little children. Suffer them. That sounds That's great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is, I, I love the rich young man passage. Um, and when I was in high school, actually, I did some study on this passage because as part of, as a Christian school, and this was like a passage I had to work with. And so I was really excited to preach it because for those listeners out there, Chris mm. said, Chris assigned me this passage. And then like two weeks before, Chris unassigned me this passage. So thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Uh, there was nothing intentional or mean about it. I just... Uh, no, yeah, we switched weeks. I'm on next week. We had week. to switch weeks because week. we have other people moving around. Yeah staff you know and i just take the brunt of all these things that's <laughs> that's kind of how it happens <laughs> there's so many anyway things. that's the life of campus pastor that's yeah, what happens now. that's exactly right alex it is so you're not bitter at all uh but moving into the <laughs> moving into the passage yeah just this idea of of do not hinder the the little children and and i think these two passages really work with this idea of trust you know and to make it really applicable do you trust the lead pastor to make the right decision as to who's going to <laughs> preach the passage or not? Oh, what a what a great what a great segue. <laughs> that was a great segue. Yeah. So we we got in you and I got into a conversation about trust that I thought was was fun and helpful and you did too and we remember most of it. So we'll dive in a little bit here, but I think when we start thinking about the idea of trust first of all, when Jesus is asking us to be childlike but not childish. I think I understand it to mean childish means I want to get what I want to get. And I'm, I'm convinced I'm the one that knows what I'm doing and how it's supposed to be done. And I'm going to throw a fit if I don't get it my way. Childlike would say, I trust you so much. Your, who you are, your character, your integrity, everything about that. And since I trust you, therefore, I'm going to let you lead here for a second or for uh, the rest of my life or whatever. And so I use the illustration about, you know, candy or something. Um, you know, if you came in the room and said to your kids, hey, give me a bite of that candy bar. I need to test and see if it's poisoned. They're going to giggle and run away with the candy bar in their hand and say, no, no, no. Some some of our children would actually hand it to us and be like, oh, seriously? Yeah. Right. Because they trust us so much that they're – they're convinced maybe there really is poison and it won't take long before their siblings tell them uh, there's no poison. Dad just wanted a bite of the candy bar and that's really what we're aiming for. But still, even in the midst of that, it's kind of a playful, silly excuse. But for the most part, children are wildly trusting of their parents. Right. And that's, uh, 
that trust plays itself out in obedience. Right. Right. That's that's the idea behind the trust here. And yeah, the difference between like child childlike and childish a, a childish faith is a faith that just doesn't doesn't care. Right. It's just like you know because a, what is what does a child do? A child doesn't think often. You're just like you know I we all wrestle this. Those of us who have kids, especially little kids, they'll they'll do like really in our eyes, really dumb things. And you'll be like, why did you do that? They'll be like, uh, and they, they give you that blank stare of like, is this a trick question, dad? <laughs> like, I just thought it would be a good idea to like dump my milk out on the floor for no, you know, and for us, we're like no reason. And so that's the childishness is like the, you know, like even the, the phrase, and I know this can be used in a positive way sometimes, but the like, let go and let God, like mm-hmm. I, or, or just have more faith, you know, no, we, we should really deeply think through our faith. We should really deeply work through and try to obey. So it shouldn't just be this childish, like, well, whatever, I don't care. You know, I'm just going to, you know, God's going to take care of it, but I'm not even going to think about it. Or God's going to uh, do it and I'm not, or, you know, God said it and therefore I'm not even going to ponder what that means for my right. life. That's kind of the childish. Childlike is trust that leads to obedience. So you look at a kid and if a kid trust that leads to obedience even when they don't understand it's because that parent has been there doing the right things for them the whole time now what happens when a child doesn't obey or doesn't have that trust a lot of times we're like oh well something's wrong with the kid they won't obey in that situation but as we talked about it it really maybe says something more about the parent when a child is not trusting of their parent Yeah. I mean, if a child is afraid of their parent, there's a really good chance that something else is happening. Or if a child looks at a parent and thinks, I don't respect you, I don't really like where this is going, we as observers start to look and go, is something happening that would cause us not to trust this parent because the person who should trust the parent doesn't. And what's interesting is as we get older, it's not that we trust our parents less, it's that we begin to want to assert our own authority and do things our own way. And it's not even necessarily prideful or arrogant. It's just, you know, teenagers are convinced they know what they're talking about or early 20s. Right. Know, they're convinced, I know everything here. You're wrong. Right. The, you're, you're a big dumb idiot. I'm going to do things my way. Right. The developmental stage of, of reason without experience. Right. 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 So. But if you're seeing that in a three-year-old or a four-year-old, you're going, okay, is there something character integrity wrong with the parent where the child doesn't trust? Right. But the most childlike thing to do would be to trust even when you don't understand. Yep. Right. And that's, I think that's part of the point Jesus is getting at here is that such belongs the kingdom of God. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, like a child is that situation where the kid truly does not understand and disagrees, Mm -hmm. but says, I don't like this, but I will obey because I know that the father has some sort of understanding or knowledge that's better than mine. Right. Right. And when you look at this passage, that's really the the wrestling match that's happening first with the children, right? The children trust Jesus, so they're wanting to come to him. Parents trust Jesus, so they're bringing their children to him. And the disciples are saying, no, 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 no. And then Jesus says, like I said in the KJV, suffer the little children. Mm-hmm. Let them come to me. Uh, which it really just means 
suffer in, in old English really just means let them come. Don't don't hold them back, right? Right. D- deal with the fact that they might be a little bit annoying and have them come in. That's what suffer means. Uh, but the idea is, you know, I, I bring the children to me. Let them come because they trust me. That's what should be happening. But what's funny is then the disciples are not trusting the words that Jesus has already said a couple of verses before in chapter 9. Then on top of that, one of the things that's interesting about this is the very next story is someone who claims to be trusting him but then doesn't. Right, right. So you've got the rich young ruler who's coming with all of these things saying, what do I need to do to get saved? And Jesus says what it is, and he goes away sad. And I would make the case that there's at least a little bit there of a lack of trust. Now, we, like I said in the sermon, we don't know what happened. You know, it's very possible that he goes home and goes, what am I doing? That was the most important person I've ever talked to. I'm selling everything. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. That's possible. It's also possible that he waits and hears about the resurrection and goes, oh, I'm all in. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Right. And maybe he sells everything in Acts and moves to Jerusalem and says, here's what I got, and let's do this. Right. And, and we heard an interesting viewpoint uh, from a friend of ours that was talking about the disheartening may not have been because the call was high that he didn't want to do, but the call was high in that he had a large job in front of him. How do you dispose of that much wealth so quickly? And so his disheartenment was not so much a, I'm not trusting Jesus, but his disheartenment was, man, I've spent all this time acquiring this wealth. Now it's become a barrier for me to follow Jesus. I have so much work to do to follow Jesus's command here. But that's but then it becomes this motivator to him to say, man, yeah. I, I got a lot of work to do because I've spent so much time doing what I shouldn't have done. Now I'm going to do the right thing. It's going to be a lot of work. I got to dispose of all this wealth because how do you dispose of all? It? You know, do you like right. have a garage sale or you know, the, you know, suppose Jesus made this call on you. You're like, well, right. I've, I've got a mortgage. I can't just like walk out of my mortgage or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so th- so. That is possible. I think that's a, a possibility, possible way to read this passage and understand it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's possible he trusts Jesus completely and just says, as a big job, I'll walk away sad. And then Jesus is responsive. It's really hard to be a rich man. And part of that is because when you are rich, you don't have a need to trust anyone else. You have everything you need, and you can make it happen. I think this is part of what we, we've got going on in our culture to some extent as as the end of the American century has arrived, right? The, the last century, we were the most powerful nation in the entire world, no questions asked, and we showed our dominance again and again and again. Over the last 50 years, we have made some decisions that have started to make us erode some public trust, whether that's within our own government, right? There, If you think about the last 50 years, there have been things that have happened that have made people question mm-hmm. authority within our government. In the last 50 years, yeah, the, the world has questioned our intentions. Uh, you know, we've, we've sometimes fought battles we didn't need to fight or done things that we stuck our nose in things we didn't maybe need to. Uh, so in the middle of that f- last 50 years, it, the, many writers have said this is the end of the American century. And you watch the, the dollar begin to be not used in certain countries, and they're starting to pick up the Chinese, you know, mode of currency. And I think we feel something slipping away, and we go, what are we going to do? The fact is, if you trust the Lord, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. This is going to push a lot of buttons for a lot of people because maybe they didn't trust the Lord because we have been so wealthy. We've been so well off. We've had everything we've wanted. We've had cheap food. We've had cheap gas. We've had cheap houses. We've had cheap, you know, you go down the list, you can build wealth in America. That's been the story. 
it's really in the last 60 years. And now all of a sudden you're looking at life going, I don't know oh, if that's yeah. true. And what do we do next? And the, the question that I'm, I'm having to talk to a lot of people about is, do you trust him? You know, in many ways we are the rich young ruler, except instead of as, being asked to sell everything, we just don't want to give it up. We like our life. And I understand that. But if everything got stripped away from us tomorrow, would we be okay? And the answer is yes. You've got a, a savior who already tells you he's going to take care of you. You've got a, a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and takes care of the lilies and the birds of the field. He is going to take care of you. You can trust him. Yeah, because I, I, a big, I think a big statement you said there is, will you be okay? And how do we define okay? Right. I think that's where this starts to get really, really where this starts to hit our hearts, right? What is our definition of okay? Is our definition of okay everything is neat and ordered and happy in the way I want it to be? Or, you know, what if this state, country, nation, world all falls apart? We still have Christ. Yep. And so, therefore, we're okay even if I don't have the the luxuries that I enjoy now, even if I don't have access to things that I have now, even if I don't have... Um, you know, the place that I live now. Right. You know, I think, I think in our culture, in my culture in America, you know, all these things have just always been taken for granted. I've always had a, you know, steadiness around me. Right. But you look at other places in the world where there are many Christians where there's wars or things like that, or even natural disasters where like all those things are taken away. What does it mean to be okay? Well, I don't, I don't have a home anymore. Right. You know, no, I think that's totally it, and and I think that's part of what the disciples are freaking out about in the next couple of verses when they say, "Who then can be saved?" And the point of this passage, I think they're wrestling with, "Wait, wait, wait! If rich people have a hard time to get in the kingdom of heaven, then who can be saved?" Right? And <laughs> the point Jesus is making is, if we're going by merit, right? If, if because you're rich, and this comes back to a statement we've made before. Uh, both of us have. If you have tremendous wealth, it doesn't necessarily mean God loves you more than someone else. Mm -hmm. We see it as a blessing, and we go, look what God's given me. This is so great. The, the fact is, just because you have it doesn't mean you merited it. It doesn't mean that you have what you're supposed to have. And if we're going by merit, no one can be saved. But if we begin to understand grace properly, you and I take the grace that we've received, we respond now with worship, and we end up looking like good people, right? We end up looking like the merit badge. You know, right. back to our Boy Scouts illustration we used a few weeks ago when we were talking about, uh, you know, about climbing the hill and, and trusting faith and letting the Lord lead us. You could receive all the badges of being a good Christian and still never actually put your faith in Christ. You could, you know, you could be the tither of the year and the the volunteer of the of the decade and, uh, you know, the the church person of the century and do all these great things and never actually put your trust in Christ. And so, what we're supposed to do is put our hope in our response to Him in worship, like the rich young ruler who sold everything, possibly, right, and realize just because I sold everything doesn't mean I earned anything. It mm -hmm. just means that I'm listening to him and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm responding in worship. I have no desire to get a badge out of this. This is just what I'm supposed to do. And I wish we were all that way. I wish we thought that way. I wish we trusted our Lord enough to say, I can be saved only through you, so I trust you. Now what do you want me to do next? And that's how he should have approached that whole conversation. Right. Right. And 
you know, we see his mindset of what, what are the things I can do? What can merit it? And I think that's where, why Jesus turns all that on his head and why the disciples are like, well, well, what about us? Right. Because they're thinking the same way. Right. He just says, well, it's, it's impossible. Right. But with, with God, all things are possible. What he's saying is change your mindset. Right. Repent. Yeah. That's exactly what that word means. Yeah. The idea of change your mindset. Don't be the same as what you always have been. Start to walk with the Lord. Learn to trust him. It's a new you. It's a new you.